On tonight's show, we have publicist and media expert, Ulysses Carter. And now, for your host, Cool Park. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is episode 23 Last week we had Selena Watkins on. She is like a renowned dancer, fitness instructor, uh, master of movements. Man, she does everything. She's performed at the Super Bowl, Shakira. She's done so much. So you guys make sure you go check her out on the ground, Selena Watkins. Um, let me not forget, she has a, a dance, a dance exercise called Sokonomics, which is kind of going crazy right now. She's teaming up with uh, Women's Health Mag and doing. Um, classes and she has her own classes y'all make sure y'all go check her out soconomics.com s-o-c-a-nomics.com y'all check her out it was a great show great conversation like she said the only thing that was missing was the wine so it was a <laughs> it was a really good interview i really enjoyed it um but yeah this week moving on 23 mj episode all right and i got somebody that has done some great things like mj himself we're gonna be talking publicity entertainment, PR, media, all that kind of stuff today because I got my brother, Ulysses Carter, coming on. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. So y'all stay tuned. Let me go ahead and give it a little intro like I like to do, and we'll bring the brother on. All right, let's get it. Welcome, welcome to the show, my brother. And I mean my brother for real. What's happening, man? What's going on, cool card? <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, man. It's, it's, hey, I'm chilling. You know, we just kicking it. We just kicking it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, due time. Finally got you on the show. I've been begging this dude since December <laughs> to come on my show so we can talk. Of last year. Of last year. Right. Been begging this dude, come on my show. Nah, I wasn't begging, but I know, you know, busy guy. But finally, I cornered him because he's quarantined. And uh, yeah, here we are to talk a little yeah. media, publicity, talk about your life and everything that you got going on and all the things you've done. And, and to enlighten people. So let me just say this. For everybody who is tuning in for the first time and you as well, I try to bring, I, I've created this show to bring value to the viewers. So Anyone who is wanting to, or even thinking about getting into media or PR, this show is for you. So I brought an expert on, a brother who's been in the business, what, over 30 years? Is that right? Yeah. 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 Been in the business over 30 years. So if you're trying to get some information that has been withheld from you about how to go about doing this the right way and making a name for yourself and getting clients and business, you might want to take a seat and listen to this brother right here because he has the gems. All right. So 
my first question to you is, before I get your whole background and all that, my first question to you is, what is the role of a publicist? (laughs) (laughs) A PR person, publicist, basically we are there to bring expertise to give publicity for that artist, that client, to get them exposure on what they're doing, whether they're singing, acting, whatever their current projects are, and to protect them in the media, basically. Okay. We become their their guardian of we keep them like the guardian. So now <laughs> would you would you say that sometimes it becomes like a babysitting job if they're problematic? Yes. <laughs> It can be, but but at the, but the overall thing is you're trying to make sure that they win and they get the coverage that they need. Okay. You do have some difficult clients, but with a PR person and the client, it's not as bad because you try to work with them because they need you just as much as you need them, but they need you more. Right. So that, so that leads into my next question. I was going to ask you, do you feel like the publicist is essential to the success of the client? It works hand in hand. So it's like peanut butter and jelly. So, you know, you need, you, you need them both to mix together to help, you know, okay. uh, you have to have their best interest at heart and you have to just make sure you understand your client. Okay. But what, what, what if the client makes it hard for you to do your job? Cause I know you run into that or have run into that. You, oh yeah, you, you try to have frank conversations. I've always been the type of PR person. I'm going to be cut and dry. Okay. I'm not the best person with them. If their shit stinks, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and I'll let them know this is not benefiting me. This is benefiting you because you need the numbers. You need people to come to your concerts. You need people to buy your music. You need people to tune in to watch your show. Right. You need people to buy your book to read it because that gives you exposure out there. Okay. So at the end of the day, you need me. Yeah. 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 Okay. So how did you get your start in PR? Let's just double back to that question, the typical question, but we want to, you know, the viewers probably want to know, how did you get your start? And um, yeah, how'd you get your start? Mine was, I did an independent, P- well, I originally wanted to become a disc jockey. Oh, really? <laughs> I, did, I did radio in high school and college. Okay. And, I had, and while I was in college, I wound up doing an internship for a PR, for an independent PR firm called Pretty Special. And I was already a personable person. So mm-hmm. uh, under the tutelage of Priscilla Chapman, Judy Hudson, and Tony Green, I learned the business basically of like, the ins and outs of PR and marketing and stuff like that. So I was getting in tune to that. So I was like, oh, I like this. You know, it's like you're working to get to something, to a finished product, like trying to get them on a cover or something, or an article, right. or on TV. So I was like, I was liking that because it's, it's giving you something to work to do. Right. And you feel accomplished at the end of it. Okay. So I was like, okay, I'm really, really liking this, you know? And then I was like, okay. But it had its pit, it has its pitfalls, but but it's fun at the end. It's fun at the end of the day because you're making relationships, right? And I guess I guess you it's kind of like a day to day challenge to kind of see what you can get for or gain for the, the your client, right? The artist or whoever. Yeah, it is, right? every 
Yeah, and, and, and Card, every day was something different. So not every day was not the same mundane type things because I could be on the phone trying to get them on a TV show or I could be trying to get them in a magazine cover or I could be trying to do something else. It's like every day was a different challenge. So when I came home, I was like, okay, I had a good day. I had a bad day because yeah. some conversations could be, oh, I don't want your client right now. You know, they don't, they don't fit the demographic we want. Yeah, and it's got to go other was, avenues and stuff like that. I was yeah. gonna ask you that. I was gonna like, I was gonna ask you like, what are some of the challenges that you've been up against to get a client a job? Like, what are the, what are the, the resistance? What's the resistance that you get? And you, one, you say demographics, but what other things? Uh, is it like reputation? They like, nah, we kind of doesn't fit our brand, like type of stuff like that. Like, well, some well, if it's an independent art, if it's a new artist out there. Mm-hmm. You're trying to give them exposure because I, I, I'll give you an I'll give you an example of like remember when Destiny's Child first came out and no one knew who they were yeah and like just trying to get them out there and stuff like that and now they're they were everywhere yeah it's that persistent thing that you got to do like oh I may not get them on the cover or something but can I get a little article on them and can I build from that it, and it's about your reputation because you have to keep relationships yeah at that time of the industry before social media, it was about building relationships with the editors yeah. and the photographers and the managers and stuff like that, where you went to lunch, you met with them, you know, you brought your client and let them meet them and stuff like that. So they had a better idea of like, okay, I see them fitting in this type of magazine because if you're an independent person and I'm taking you on, I need to know your fun things like like you'd like to do, your yeah. private stuff, because then I want to know. But I'll give you an example. Like, if you loved cars, I would try to also pitch you for a car magazine. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. If you like gardening, if you smoked weed, I mean, <laughs> I, I make a joke. If you if you shovel, I get you on the cover with a shovel, shoveling on that magazine if I have to, you know? Right, right, right. Because there was always, at that time, there was always magazines and publications and different things that was open for different aspects of what you did in the business. Okay. So if you wrote a book, I would try to get you reviews in New York Times or or get you on a talk show to talk about your book. Mm-hmm. If you were in a health and fitness, I pitched those health and fitness magazines okay. and stuff like that because that's a demographic that you fit in. But then I can try to push it to a further thing. Like for females, it was uh, female clients was easier because I can pitch them for uh, hair magazines and and health magazines and other things on top of that. So it was all according to what type of client I was working with. And I always did better working with female clients. Oh, wow. Why is that? Why do you think? Well, at that time, it was more publications to shop them around. Okay. Yeah, so I could, like I said, a hair magazine, a sports magazine. Yeah, um, there were a lot. Yeah, yeah good. Back yeah, so there's like so many publications. Yeah, so many but hair I, magazines and yeah. Yeah, what magazine I, or whatever magazine. There's a lot of magazines, yeah. Yeah, because what I used to do is there used to be this um, universal newsstand. Mm-hmm. And I used to go to this newsstand where like every magazine known to man was in there from international magazines to, to, to local ones and stuff like that. I would read those and find out who the editors were because every magazine had a letterhead. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, that was back when you know the world wasn't so digital, you know. Yeah. 
some because of these- I, some of my if some of my PR colleagues on there, if they remember, there used to be this green book. <laughs> it was like this green book that had like all the information. Every year would come out where it would have all the information on all the editors and directors and stuff like that. So we went to this book as our go-to, and that was like our encyclopedia in the industry. Oh wow! And if it wasn't in there, because heads were changing at that time, sometimes you went right to the magazine. And you found the letterhead, and you read who was who was in there. And a lot of times, there was a trick to what I learned from uh, Priscilla and Tony was find out who the editor was for that department, right? Mm-hmm. But the key thing was find out who the assistant was mm-hmm. to the editor, because okay. you establish a relationship with the the assistant. That's the one that was the gatekeeper to get you to the editor, right? Right, right. Okay. So yeah. you are essential. So so like you're you're very essential to the client because it's like your reputation matters. Cause if your reputation sucks, your client doesn't work. Exactly, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah, because that was that was always the fun time because if I'm sending music or stuff, you know, to that editor or whatever to do a review, I'd probably send something else to the assistant, be like, yo, I sent you a copy too, so you can have it and then what winds up happening is that assistant is talking to their boss and they're like, oh, did you check out yep. such and such? And they're like, oh, okay, well, let me check it out since you like it. Let me love it. You right. know, so, and then you get the phone call like, Ulysses, you got to open it right here. Call in, blah, blah, blah. They want to, you know, I'm like, hey. Yeah. It's about keeping those relationships and following up. 30 years in the business, boy. Like, hey, um, Therese Michelle, she's on here going hard for you. She says, you're one of the best in the biz and an overall great human being. Um, and then she was saying PR is essential to public image and damage control. True. Yes. And then she says Ulysses anticipates the needs of his clients. This man knows everyone. So yeah, I was saying 30 years in the business, brother. Oh, yeah. You gotta. <laughs> you have an encyclopedia. Perez is my heart. She's my industry sister. She's my sister in this game, and we work together because as we go further on, because we're working together now. Um, on projects, current projects now, because I'm one of the co-producers of her show. She does oh. uh, in the basement with Javon and Therese that comes oh. on a Wednesday night. Okay, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I seen you post yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. I gotta check that out. Yeah, behind the scenes and stuff like that. So yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in, Therese. That's her name, right, Therese? Therese, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate you tuning in. Really do. And commenting, and you know, yeah, interacting. So yeah, that's good. So let's talk about your time at Arista because now, well, let's let's put this on the table because we talked about this. You are, for, to me, you're always going to be a publicist, but you've moved on to entertainment exec. You're doing a whole array of things, you freelance work, consulting work, right? Mm-hmm. But let's talk about Arista because that's where you got kind of like your your foothold, right? Yeah, got- that's where that's where I learned the the belly of the business because. I, and how I got that was, again, a relationship. When I was at Pretty Special doing internships, I wound up meeting the senior VP of Human Resources, okay. Sandra Williams. And we used to go to movie screenings a lot. And we wound up like always at the same movie events and stuff like that. So there was an opening that, that was at Arista at the time. Okay. To call me, I came over to her office. We're sitting in the office for two hours. She's like, "Oh, well, by the way, you let's go upstairs and go meet your new boss." I'm like, oh, "What?" Wow. <laughs> yeah. So then I'm in 
publicity. I'm in the publicity department. You know, wow. and I'm starting to learn under the tutelage of like Gwendolyn Quinn, Laura Swanson, Donna Torrance and stuff like that. So I'm starting to work on these campaigns where I'm working on Whitney Houston's campaign, Aretha Franklin's campaign, uh, TLC's campaign, uh, anything that came out of the face. And I had already knew Sean Combs, but I was not working on the bad boy stuff because that was a, in a way of a conflict of interest because I was like, I know him too well. Mm hmm. So, but I was working on those, like I would do pop stuff, like LFO, uh, rock stuff, like there was like Patti Smith and stuff like that. So I would be involved like in all those projects. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I learned, I learned under that and being under that tutelage of them and being under Clive Davis's umbrella at that time in the industry, it was like, you work for where? Which record label? Right. Arista was, Arista was everything. Yeah. I remember that, man. That was that was good. That was a good times, man. In the nineties, Lord Jesus, those were good times. Because every every week when Billboard came out, we were basic. We basically had eight artists on on the top ten. Yeah, they ran the charts. On Aristotle of Face or Bad Boy, it was an Aristar. Yep, ran the charts. Those were some good times, boy. Yeah, good days. Good times, yeah. That, <laughs> those were good connections because, like, we were always at events and stuff like that. And again. Yeah. Building those relationships, like those yeah. editors and stuff that I met to get articles and stuff like that, it uh, they came to those events. But what happened was, once I went to Arister, I had a brand behind me. Yeah. So then that's when they would accept my phone calls because I'm calling from a record label. Right. Right. So like I watched, like wow, I went from an independent PR firm to a major record label. To go, hmm, okay, but I still established those relationships. I didn't, I didn't become cocky or anything. It's like, yeah, I'm working at the label, but at the end of the day, it's still business. Yeah, absolutely. But I had to learn how to cater to the editors and all of them. Make sure press was always informed and and just let them know I'm working for you, basically, in a way. Not like kissing their butts, but basically, I'm working for you because you need to do a really good article and a review on my clients. Right. So give me a peep, give us a little peep into like the the process of working on a campaign or your day to day at the label working on a campaign. So say you're working on Deborah Cox. Deborah Cox. Deborah Cox or somebody. Well, let's say we wanted Deborah Cox for uh, a particular magazine. Mm -hmm. We would have to reach out to those editors because we, we may want to get a photo shoot done or we may want to get an article on her. So we'd have to send. At that time, we had press kits where we would put the picture in and, and, and different materials on the artist, and we'd have to send that physically in the mail mm -hmm. to the label. And let's say I mailed it on a Monday. By Wednesday or Thursday, it should be in their office. So by then, I'm on the phone talking to the assistant, be like, hey, did your boss get the, the package or whatever? And sometimes I put little notes on it too, like, hey, such and such, hey, let me know, hit me up, let me know you got this, it's like, you know, our new artists and stuff like this. And a lot of times I get the phone call back or an email real quick saying, hey, I got the press kit. Let's have a discussion. Okay. And then from there, the ball would start rolling. Wow. Yeah. And then once we solidified like, okay, well, she's going to get a cover or she's going to get a feature article on there. Then I'm on the phone with the artist and their management letting them know, okay, look, this artist has a photo shoot. They have to be there at such and such a time. We're getting this stylist to come in. And it was like an ongoing thing. And this could be like for three and four artists a day. 
So it couldn't wow. be like, oh, okay. yeah, I could be juggling three or four artists projects a day. Was that stressful or was it just kind of just the job? It was, it, it was a part of the, it was a part of the job. I would get in there like at like nine thirty in the mornings, mm. and I'd sometimes be in the building till like at midnight, and then I have to turn right back around. Dang. But it was fun because your adrenaline was up. You were like enjoying this. Yeah. And I also had interns working for me. Okay. And then one thing I had always chose to was to have interns that were seniors in college. That was my preference because they would have like one class and the rest of the day they'd be at the label with me. Yeah. And they're going to work hard because they're looking for a job. Yeah. They're looking for that opportunity. They're foot in the door. So they're going to work hard for you. Yeah, and what yeah. but what I chose to do, some some PR people were different. I was one where if I went to a photo shoot, you went with me too. Mm, okay. Um, you went into some of the meetings with me because I needed you to know. Because let's say I'm yeah. I'm working with three artists that one day. Let's say I'm with Deborah Cox one day, and then there's something else going on with another artist. I can't be in three places at once. Mm-hmm. So if you call and you get my intern. They're just on top of everything too. So it's oh, well, you listen left me this and blah blah blah, and it's a it's a trust thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they love to work for you then. Yeah, and, and, and what? Yeah, yeah, and what's so funny is like, I, as I look back, one intern she wound up working for Patty Labelle's management company. Uh, there was another one who winded up becoming a writer uh, for the New York Times and the Daily News, and she used to do radio stuff like as a correspondent. On WBLS, wow! And those were my interns. So that's kudos to you, man, because you trained them, you groomed them, and they went yeah. on to do great things. Yeah, yeah. but but it's also being humble because my backstory is the industry's been in my life all of my life since I was two years old. My uncle was the comedian Flip Wilson. Oh wow! So I, yeah, so <laughs> I I grew up I grew up. Every summer, going to his house, hanging out with him mm-hmm. on the road. He had the Flip Wilson show, so being backstage with all those people and stuff like that. And a lot of people didn't know he had bought into two franchises, which was Benny Hunt. For real? Yeah. So oh, wow. on Friday nights, we would go to Benny Hanna. And when we walk in, can I tell you, Card, that he knew everyone from the bus boys to the chef, everyone he knew. He knew their names. He knew their family dynamics, and I was just watching that. So, because yeah. you learn from watching, and you watch from the example, he, he would always tell me like everyone he just has a title, yeah. and he said, that doesn't change anything. They're all human beings, all people. He okay. said you treat the person that you know delivers your food the same way you treat the owner of the restaurant. Absolutely, because he said you never know down the road that person may offer you a job down the road. And I, it, it, it's certain like gyms he taught me and stuff like that. He always said, it's a decision. If you're in a ditch and if you're and if you're walking by and you need help, either person's going to put their hand down there or they're going to take their foot and, and kick dirt on you. Yep. Yeah. Which one are you going to be? Exactly. I've always wanted to be the person to hear, please take my hand, help me up, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So tell me, um, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about answering this question but can you give us a list of you know some of the notable people that you have worked with i know you Um, named a few but uh like i said tlc deborah cox lfo uh angie stone aretha franklin got about Uh, oh man stone yeah um carl thomas 112 
That was at the label, and of course, Whitney Houston. Okay. And at that time, working for her, we all had to work a project because she was she was she was the queen of Arista Records. That yep. you know, Arista Records. Right. And then at one point, I wound up making a transition from the label to work directly for her at her management company. How did that happen? What, did she kind of steal you away or is that something you... The conversation, again, having conversations and relationships, having a conversation with Lynn Volkman, who worked there, mm-hmm. going back, having those conversations, and, and, they, and they knew me. Her mom had knew me from a little boy. Oh. With so they knew me there. So coming in, it was a trust factor. It was like, you already worked for the label. Mm-hmm. So you already know the ins and outs. So we're not worried about stuff getting out. So how did Clyde feel about that? Well, at that time, that's when Clyde was making that off. He was making a transition out of Arista at the time because he was getting kicked out. Oh, okay. So at that time, also L.A. Reid was coming in. And um, so it was a big transition. We didn't know who was going to come in and stuff like that. So it was like a life raft or a preserver was thrown to me like, hey, come on board here. On oh, here, yeah. Okay. And, and Clive, then, Clive went on to start, what, J Records after that, right? Yeah, he went to prove himself with J Records and stuff like that with Alicia Keys. And he took a few people with him. Yeah. But it also helped me. Then I transitioned from a label to a management company. Mm-hmm. So which was... When you worked for the label, you had to check everything with the management company of those artists because they gave the final call on that. Now I was like, I'm in the management company of this artist and I'm still have my relationship with the people at the label. So it was a win-win situation across the board. And okay. So my question to you is what is the major difference between the two working at a giant label or a company and kind of I won't say that was freelance because you work with a management company but I know you do freelance now so what's the difference or the major difference between working for Arista and working for a smaller management company and working freelance um well this time you had like well at that time working for her manager it's one artist I'm working specifically for that artist okay and you're focused just on that. So all your work is, is tunneled into that. So I don't have to worry about, okay, I'm dealing with, you know, this pop act and this R&B act and this one. Act. So I'm focused on one client and one client only. Okay. The aspects of what they want to do, which which hones you in. It's like, oh, okay, well, fine. That's my focus. Yeah. Not all over the board. So is it less stressful? Because you're not all over the board. It's just my focus is her. Yeah. Less stressful because you're, fo- again, you're focused on that particular subject or that client or whatever but then from there being there i was able to branch off a little bit while still being there but i was able to pick up independent stuff independent work Mm -hmm. while working with her because i was able to then pick up independent clients who were working with michael k williams from hbo's the wire and lance reddick that was on the wire okay picking them up and then because i'd worked with singers and i had a relationship a while ago with melissa morgan R&B songstress, Freddie Jackson, winded up doing PR for him too. So I was like, hey, I'm still having fun. Yeah. So it was like, okay, I would, it was basically like consulting work. So I was like, I may work on a particular project, but it was fun because I was so used to doing so many clients. I was like, okay, well, this is fun now. So you do, so you do, do you feel like you have more freedom? Yeah. You, more freedom. In what way? 
you have more freedom because well because you are using your relationships and you're making the shots with independent with your independent arms because okay. you're answering to yourself you're calling the shots pretty much you make the decisions you make you decide who you want to go after to get the the the, the, the what the cover of the magazine or whatever right but you still work with you still work with that artist to, to you hone them but it's just more it's more intimate more personal with them right it's like okay well let's work together you know it, it's one big machine but now it's just me one-on-one with you and using my contacts and you using your contacts and we all come together to try try to win that big push to get you out there so i would think it'd be a it's just probably a better situation because i'm pretty sure you become friends with the artists or your clients because it's a one-on-one type of thing and well if they allow it or if they're open to it i can't say so, oh. Well, here's a nugget because I always try to remind people you have to separate your relationships with your clients. Mm. Those are my clients. Those are my associates and stuff like that. There's a difference between, yes, I'm friendly with my client, but I'm not your friend because then that opens up a door where they're not listening to you. True, true, true. You know, some (laughs) some artists would, you know, invite me to the house for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. Like, no, I appreciate it. Thank you, but no. You didn't have my home phone number. You can only get me on my cell phone because there's a point where if you open that door, there's no turning back. Yeah, absolutely. It's always this old statement of staying in your lane. Yeah. Because nowadays there are PR people who need a, there are PR publicists out there now that need a PR person for themselves because they're just as big as their clients. I know. What's that about? But you know what? It works good now because right now, because of social media, a lot of new clients, they want to know, well, how, how is your social media following? Because that helps me. Oh, okay. Okay. Because it's, just, it's just changed. It's like a 180. Like, wow. Okay. Are, crazy. You, are you still taking on clients? Or, uh, uh, no, no, no. I, I have I have my core ones that I still work with. Uh, R and B singer Monifa. Okay. Freddie Jackson and Melissa Morgan. I'm still doing independent stuff for them. Um, and those are the ones that I'm working with. Um, from in a while back, I would do some tour press. Like I got called for Universal Records at one point. Mm-hmm. My consulting work I may do like because that's not long term. Right. But I have to decide if I'm comfortable with it because I've always chose not to take on a client for the paycheck. I had to believe in the artist or believe in the project to go because I want to put I want to give my all to it. That was gonna be my next question too. I was gonna ask you when back when you were taking on new clients, like what what do you look for? What's your criteria to Say, you know what? I'd, I'd be interested in working with this person. I want them to be as transparent as possible with me. Because if I, if, if I sit down with you, I want to be able to talk to you, find out what you like, what you like to do, what don't you like. Mm-hmm. You just have to be as honest as possible because I have to protect you as a PR person. Right. Because if you tell me you're doing this and then you're doing something else and it gets back to me, how can I save you in the press? I'll give you an example. I Damien Dash. <laughs> I grew up with him and stuff like that. It was one time I got a phone call. Oh, Ulysses, I would love for you to do my PR. No. I said, I like to sleep at night, Dane. I like to sleep at night. 
Dane was a wild boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, are you taking on because it's like, oh, I'll pay you this, I'll pay you this. It's like, no. It was about my own solitude. Sometimes it's about that. It's your sanity. Like, oh. you know, yeah, like, mm-mm. because sometimes it can be very stressful. You know, because a lot of people see like the the end result. Like you'll see the the artist on the cover of the magazine or you'll see them at the show, but you don't know what it leads up to. There could be sometimes where an artist doesn't want to go off for an interview. They don't want to go for the, they don't want to uh, get to the photo shoot on time. They don't want to do rehearsal at a particular award show. So you have to deal with that and like getting them out their hotel room or they may have some personal family problems. What is what is the thought process behind an artist that always wants to show up late on purpose? What's the thought process behind that? Um, at one point, because they feel that their shit don't stink, and everybody's just gonna wait on them. Or they're used. Some artists are so used to the yes person, like oh yes, then blah blah blah, you know, and mm-hmm. kissing it behind. It's like, but then you have to have somebody in your camp that's gonna be like, look, this how it goes. And this is how it goes. I used to do a trick where, let's say there was a photo shoot at three o'clock. I would tell the client, oh, two o'clock. Because again, having yeah. that relationship with management, because a lot of times you'd have a conversation with the management of that artist and be like, look, they're coming to a photo shoot late. That photographer's already in place. Mm-hmm. Most of the people are there. This is money coming out of their budget. Yep. And-, and they're losing this money. Don't you realize this? I used to have conversations with particular artists where, you're going to a recording session. You don't need to bring 20 people with you. Oh, to record. my God. Yeah. Because all that money is coming out of your budget. Yep. I've you seen know, that way too many times. Yeah. And they don't want to hear that. They don't. Some people didn't want to hear that. Or like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. I, I remember I told one particular client. They went out to dinner and they had 10 people with them. They expected this the artist to pay for the bill. I told this client, leave the restaurant, go back to your hotel, see who picks up the bill. That's the person that's in your, in your camp. That's for you. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the hang-ons. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Wow. <laughs> you have to be as very transparent and honest with your client. You really, really have to, because again, it's a trust factor. You have to establish a trust with them. What would, what would make you drop a client? <laughs> <laughs> uh, nonsense. Nonsense and not listening. And you messing up my relationships with particular editors or directors or stuff. Like you're, you're bringing my reputation down. Yeah. For what? Not showing up on time for just being difficult. You don't want to do an interview yet because you're, I built those relationships because. My thing is there's other artists I may want to work with that are coming behind you that I may need to go back to those publications or those people to go, oh, can I book this particular artist? They'll go, oh, no, no, Ulysses, because your uh, client X did this and did that. And we lost money. What makes like any client that you come in, they're always going to have that attitude. So it represents your whole group. You have to look at it. It's a whole thing. Your inside circle determines everything. Sometimes it's not the client. Sometimes it's the people in your camp that can mess it up too. But it reflects on the artist. Yeah, absolutely. That's why you got to roll, throw a lower a small circle. Why do you want to roll with 10 people? Five, like it doesn't make any sense. Five people if they're all doing a job, you know, but if they're not doing anything. See what you said? A job. 
It is a, at the end of the day, you have to remember it is a job you're doing. Yeah. It's not just socializing, you're having fun. There's time for all of that. But if you're working, people forget that show business is, is what? 90% business. Business, yeah. 10% show. Yeah. Even though it's not as corporate as possible, but it's still corporate like a like a corporate uh whole chain right there yeah we're just a little bit more relaxed with stuff but it's still business at the end of the day everybody every you know everybody thinks about the the partying and the, you know all that other stuff but yeah business at the end it, of the day it's not what it's caked up to be it's really not what it's caked up to be oh yeah yeah because like, really- what and look, okay so you get the artist that party all the time those are the ones who probably aren't as focused and won't be here long you know but the ones but the times you do see the greats partying those are they're they're partying for a reason because they're there to promote their project i've had some clients some independent clients where i've been at parties and like you've been in vip i've stood there and like to protect them i've taken the drink out of the hand and put a bottle of water instead it's a good look. Yeah. Because at that time, that's when social media was starting to really kick in. And the cameras are coming out and, you know, like, hey. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're baby, yeah, you had to babysit. <laughs> Personal time, but when it's business, fine. But we can celebrate after, you know, yeah. after things, but there's a certain level, yeah. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. The only time they should be out is, is business, really. I, well, I can't say that, but most of the time, you know, if it's not business, you got to lay low. But some but some people want to be seen and heard, and that's why we, we have, unfortunately, in this industry, they have, like, labels of uh, A-list clients, B-list clients, C-list clients, and D-list clients. Mm. And I hate the fact that we have to put these artists in different categories like that. Yeah. You know, like, how can you get your client to become an A-lister if you're not allowing me to get them on the shows and getting me in the magazines and stuff like that if you don't give them a chance? Right. And now it's even harder because we don't have a lot of publications now. Everything is a lot. A lot of things are online. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of bloggers now. But since we've been in quarantine... I know people have been on their, their Instagrams and their Facebook lives. Now you're seeing a lot of the artists. They're doing a lot of live stuff because they got to promote themselves. They got to keep busy. Yeah, absolutely. You got to keep, keep keep them on people's minds. So, yeah. Yeah, and what's so funny is now, because at that time when I was in the business, remember, it was a part where you didn't know the personal stuff about an artist. You only knew the musical aspect. Mm-hmm. And their personal stuff was like it was either in a magazine, like oh, like or in an interview, like oh, you found like a little bit. But now they control their own narrative of their social media. And And back back then, artists were able to stay out of trouble a little bit more. (laughs) Now, because now people, some of them don't have any filters, and they don't, and they just don't know any better. It's like oh, you just did that, and now you catching all this and using endorsements. and they didn't even mean anything by it, but they just don't have any filter. They didn't know any better. Yeah. And if you tweet it out, it's there forever. Even if you delete it, it's there forever. It's because somebody has screenshot it, and next thing you know, it's Around the world. There. Yep. Around the world in a couple seconds. Yep. Yep. Crazy. Exactly. 
crazy, man. It's a different world, boy. I'm telling you. Yeah. It's a different world. I don't know. Like, it's so, it feels so different now from the 90s until now. You know, when I was back in New York and like, music was just different. The whole industry was just different. It's a different feel, man. Like, I'm yeah. not too deep into it anymore because I'm not doing the music and all that, but I can still feel it, though. You know what I mean? Because I keep my ear to the streets. I still feel it. Like, it's just a different energy. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know. I can't call it, but it's different. And even even the talent is different, uh, card because yeah. it's now because you you get notoriety for Instagram. Anything, anything now, like yeah. Th- what happened to the artistry of an artist? Because it's crazy. Because and I, I like working better with our with our classic artists that have have talent. Yeah, that at the end of the day they can still open their mouth and sing. Like yeah. if, if if they can sing acapella or Pro Tools breakdown, they don't have to work. <laughs> they could just sing. Right. I think I think the screen froze up on us. I can still hear you, but I think the screen froze up on us. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, things happen live. You know, it's technical stuff, but right. as a PR person, you gotta keep it going and keep it moving. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I can hear you, so we can still talk. But yeah, absolutely. I was just talking about that with somebody. Like, it's just so different now. Like, back in the day, who would ever think that someone would would be calling a reality star a celebrity, a star? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's not to discredit anybody, but it's just like, you know, you can get anybody to get on a TV show and just act crazy or whatever. And it's like, now they're, this is the new age celebrity. This is the definition of a celebrity now. It's just a little different. Yeah, and and those are clients that I don't want to work with. <laughs> yeah, man, I couldn't work with them at all. You couldn't pay me to work with them. You, no. you were there in the glory years, man. That's why. Yeah, when it when when industry was so much fun. Yeah, it's so much fun. It was definitely fun. Yeah, it was definitely fun. Um, I want to know what. Um, oh, here's a question for you. As far as now, like since the industry has changed, do you feel like it's easier to find more sustainable freelance work as a publicist or somebody in media because there's so many independent artists who are kind of doing their own thing and paving their own way without a label? Um, It's a little harder now because now, because sometimes you don't even need a publicist because you're doing your own publicity on social media. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, so you're doing that, but there's some artists that want some of those publications, which are not a lot of anymore, and especially like for African-American clients, there's not a lot of publications or outlets for them to, to, to be seen at, yeah. unless they're A-list people. Right. So the self-promotion, because now it comes to the point where what does your social numbers look like and, and stuff like that. And then like the bloggers would be like, oh, okay, well let me chime in and get an article on them. And because now with print, print used to be two months in advance. Everyone wants everything fast and easy. So if something comes out of the magazine a month later, you've already heard about it three weeks ago. Yep. So it's old news now. Yep. So it's, it's about instant. It's about the microwavable. Everything stuff. Like, is instant. Okay. Everything is like, even like singles, singles only last for what two, three weeks, maybe. That, yeah, because now no one's no one's now doing albums or, or see. You know, you may do an EP where now there may be 
four or five records because at the time when I was at a label, you got signed to like a three to four CD deal. Right. Yeah, you were stuck there for albums. If you if something happened and you were unhappy and you had to li- deliver three more albums, well, guess what? You ain't going nowhere. Exactly. But no one's making albums that that are timeless anymore. Nah. Like, like to this day, you can put a Stevie Wonder album on still, and it's timeless. Timeless. Where yeah. you, you want to put albums on where you can play it from track one all the way to the end without skipping. Yeah. There's only a few now that are that that you can say that have that uh, quality of music. I don't want to say talent, but quality of music that you know you can just sit there and listen to the whole thing. It's 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 rare, man. There's a few, there's a few, but it's yeah, it's but it's body of work. And, and I and think, but you yeah. know what though? You know what though? I won't say that they're they're not capable. I think mm-hmm. now it's just everybody's looking for the hit, the hit. I gotta get the hit single. I gotta get the hit single. And I think nowadays it's more. There's always been songs and and an emphasis on money for artists, but I think it's just run rampant now. Like everything is about got to get the bag, got to get this money, got to get this check. So now it's just like, what's the quickest thing or the quickest way or what's the single I need to to get this hit, you know, and and and, and travel around the world and get this money. Like I yeah. think there's a lot of emphasis put towards these albums, man. I really don't. And then and then we don't have like that because now it labels. There are people doing three and four jobs at one time compared to there was a publicity department, a marketing department, an A&R department. Now you're all three people. Yeah. So, you know, you met with all the label heads where you brought that artist in. It's like, okay, well, you're going to learn this from publicity. Then we're going to take you to A&R and develop you here. You you know, uh, get you done here in artist development. Right. All It was a machine that worked with you as a, as a, as an artist. Yeah. That media training and all that other stuff. Now it's like, okay, well, you know, if you could set yourself on fire and sing the Star Spangled Banner in Spanish backwards, <laughs> right? You're, you know, you're the hottest thing right now because my thing is like, who on Twitter can get on the top ten? You know, as the as the subject right now. Yeah, yeah. It's so different, man. It's so different. It's so different out here. Yeah, it's- and then there's a lot of artists that don't like new artists that don't know who paved the way for them. Yeah. They don't. Like, they really don't. Yeah, you're you're getting samples and all this other stuff of of, of older artists, but it's like, well, you know what? Learn your history of music and, and where this comes from. Yeah. They're jamming you know, to I mean, it's like, no different than when we were coming up, you know, in the nineties you would hear all these old samples and you know, it would take you to maybe watch a movie or just I don't know, be at some random spot and hear the original record and be like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And then you kind of like have a recollection, like, oh wait, I did hear my pops playing that back in the day. Dang, I yeah. I didn't know they sampled that. You know what I mean? So it's the same yeah. thing now, but now they're really oblivious to it. Like, who's that? What? Like they haven't even heard of the artist. You know what I'm saying? At least we have heard of the artist. Like, oh, I didn't know that was a Al Green sample or you know a Stevie Wonder sample or whatever. You know what I mean? Like. But now it's oblivious. Like you, you ask them, like, do you know such and such is like that's such and such original? And like, Ooh, what? And and, and and see, card. The the beautiful thing is, I like to work with individuals now, like jumping into whatever I'm doing, where people still know music. Like I, I just gotta do a plug for like my industry sister Tamika. 
who's she has a radio show now for independent artists out there, you know, under her Ginger Snaps and Purple Tea um, company because she's the CEO of that. Okay. She's independent artists that are, that have real artistry that labels are not seeing or people are not hearing on the mainstream music where you can tune into her platform and hear that. And then the other platform is in the basement, like I said, with Javon and, and Therese, where they're bringing you the, the classic artists and stuff like that and, yeah. and information like that to, you know, to go back in the crates and stuff like that. And it's, that was a time of in the basement when you heard good, real music. Yeah. Yeah. And that feel good stuff, you know, that yeah. made you feel stuff that has lyrical content. Yes. Yes. Man, I can't, I, can't, I don't even talk about it no more to people you know, about, <laughs> <laughs> about lyrical content and, what it used to be back in like in the nineties, you know, they're like, oh, you living in the past. Like, nah, man, you don't understand. You just you had to be there to live it. Like I was in New York in the nineties and that was it. Like that was the mecca of it, man. It felt so good out there. Like that was the time you I'll never forget some times. I'll never forget how it felt. I'll never forget, you know, being in the clubs and hearing the new songs. I remember when music videos, it used to be a whole event a week anticipation of the launch of a new like missy elliott video you know what i'm saying yep anything yep it was yeah it was yeah it was a world premiere yeah because you home and you like at that time you had the video souls and you had the uh, box and stuff like that friday nights you were home on a friday night to watch video music box yep yep that's going way back (laughs) oh yeah but i'm just saying but even the 90s but even for me the 70s and the 80s were still good for me because I, I love the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. For me, that was my best time for music. Absolutely, man. And, I, and my personal thing is I'm a big house head, so I love house music. Yeah. House was uh, huge. Huge yeah. back then. Huge, and, man. And it, it, it still is, but it's the classics that, you know, and the good thing is during this quarantine, some of those, those club you know, those clubhouse DJs, they're on Instagram and Facebook Live and, and YouTube Live and they're DJing for us and stuff like that, taking us back to like, yeah, those yep. were the good old days at the garage and yep. different places like that. So, yeah. Yeah, man. God, I, I, man, we need to somehow get that feeling back, restore the feeling because that was, man. That's not, I don't think that's going to come back. Uh, it's yeah. you know, it's, it's a one because I think a lot of our millennials will never know how good it was at that time, how the industry was, yeah. and just how music and just how the everything was. It was just, it was fun, like, and everything it, was quality, man. Million dollar videos, the budget for a video was a million, four million. Like these things were movies, yeah, you know. And now videos looking like Instagram videos. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, that is what it is. You know. But, yeah, you can on your phone. You could be in the park, and you know a lot of people do the gorilla type, where they'll be yeah. in the selfie and they'll cut it here and they'll cut it there. You know. Yeah. So hey, that's what we are. You know, ain't knocking it, but back then, man, those videos like Hype Williams and Little X and all them, man, those, those videos were movies, straight up, little mini movies. But I try to tell people that are coming into business now that at the end of the day, you still have to. Uh, get your relationships built up with people. Yeah, talk about that because I was gonna. That was gonna be my my uh, my exiting question for you like for <laughs> people who are now, you know, getting into the business. Like, 
what do you think are some of the key things that they need to know or how should they maneuver or what should they learn? Should they go to school for it? Like, well, I still think in school, one, one biggest thing is writing. Okay. Keep continue writing and, and, and not those little abbreviations and stuff like that that you use when you're, when you're tweeting and oh, you're texting. Don't blog it, right? No, no, no. And my thing is like, English is a beautiful language. <laughs> And writing, like your writing samples, because at that time when you were a PR person, you had to send writing samples, you know, to editors and stuff like that. If you wanted to write, you know, for certain publications and stuff like that, yeah. you had to send a writing sample to see that, you know, you knew how to use the correct <laughs> pronunciation for certain words. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. You know, I, I, I'm, I seen the thing on the news like several months ago. They want to bring back creative writing and stuff like that. Bring, cursive writing, excuse me. So bring that back. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like a dinosaur now. So it's like, really? like. But my thing is like reading, researching, uh, going to school, learning. You have to learn marketing and PR, the whole thing across the board. But it's about your writing and your reading. Like read a book. I don't think anyone reads a book anymore because now we take that away because now you have audios. Audios and podcasts. Yeah, you don't have to sit there and read a book. I'm still old school where I like to smell a book. I like to turn the pages yeah, you know. Yeah, I can't I do the audio, like, man. I, I can't get into it. I gotta feel the book. Gotta, you know, live through the pages. Yeah, because yeah. it's just it's just something about that. It's just you know, it's like you look forward to get to the end of the book, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, man. Well, I ain't gonna hold you too much longer, man. I appreciate all the information, man. You you got a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this entertainment business and, and PR stuff, man. So I uh, definitely had to have you on the show, my brother. You are my brother. So if, if, you me, if you need me again, let me know. We can do a part two of this if you need to. Oh, we to. will. We will. I'm going to have a, a, a year-end wrap-up. So I'll definitely have you back on. That's no question, no doubt. I got one question for you, though. Yes. Did you dye that beard? Or is that your real hair? That's because you know what that thing looking like a snow globe, and you know us brothers when we get older, we sometimes it's like pepper, you know, salt and pepper, and that thing all the way white, man. What's going on? <laughs> and to your listeners and viewers, he's only asking this for you guys because he knows me personally. <laughs> this is all natural, all natural. Oh man, yeah, it, it, it's all mine. It, it, it's called wisdom. Yeah, it is. But I, I started great early at 17. I started out with a patch, and then the next thing I know, bam, you know. Um, but, and, and, you know, I've been I've been dubbed, you know, by my girl, Therese, the silver fox. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I, say, listen, it suits you, man. It fits you well. It looks good I, on you. I've embraced it. I oh. love it. Once this quarantine is over, I definitely have to run to my barber at least for some type of shape up, at least just to maintain it. Are you going back bald? Are you going to keep the little white? No, no. I, well, you know what? I, I've had a lot of people telling me I need to keep the, the top gray hair, let it go on and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay. Embrace it, brother. Oh, I'm embracing <laughs> it. Since, you know, your nickname for me is Grady. Grady. Looking like Grady <laughs> off of Sam and his son. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and if, if, if Millennials don't know what Sanford and Son is. You definitely got to look that up. They're on TV One. Yeah. 
<laughs> son. That's classic right there. Throwback. I still watch me some Sanford and Son for sure. <laughs> yes. But yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on. I really do. Everybody tuning in. Appreciate you guys coming in. Appreciate everybody commenting over the comment section and sticking with us. We had a little freeze up on the screen, but you can still hear Ulysses. You know, for the better part of the show, we had him here moving around and you know but uh yeah it did freeze up but i'm glad that the visual that the uh the audio kept going so we could just keep the uh interview going so you know things happen who knows yeah Yeah. but yeah man appreciate you brother tuning in i mean appreciate you coming in appreciate everybody tuning in um until next time we got episode 24 uh got a a doctor coming on the next show so y'all come back and check me out um what you finna get into ulysses well, I, well, it's so funny because talking about reading, I'm still reading Alicia Keys' new book. What's she talking she, about? Um, it's 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 her personal diary book. So, uh, okay. um, she sent that to me. So while I've been quarantining, I've been reading more, meditating, stuff like that. You gotta so, get centered. Gotta get centered, man. This is the yeah. time to do it. Yeah, this is the time to do it. You have to do it. So, you know, to know what, what what's the next thing. But I've still been busy, like I said, behind the scenes with, you know, being co-producer of, you know, in the basement, yeah. you know, with John Therese, and then also doing like the Carter Report sometimes with another independent ind- um, internet radio show called Sugar Water Radio, okay. you know, with Franchise and Zoe, Zoe New Girl, you know. Um, so I do their Carter Report on Thursday nights and Monday nights with them. So, I'm constantly going to keep on my grind and, you know, keep my hustle on because you just can't have one gig in this business. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You got to have streams of income coming in. Yes, sir. You know? Because if you can't dance on the pole, you got to be able to clean it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, I thank you because I know you, you know, you. You try not to be in front of the camera, so I do really appreciate you giving me your time. No I appreciate, yeah, because I, I again, I, I'm always the person behind the scenes and stuff like that. And if anybody wants to hit me up, they can hit me up, slide up in my DMs on my Instagram, on my Facebook, you know, oh, and, cool. and smile at me. Yeah, hit him up, Carter U0809. He may change it to I am Ulysses Carter soon. So if you can't find him with that on Instagram, you can find them with I am Ulysses Carter. Also on Facebook, it's just Ulysses Carter, right? Yes, it's just Ulysses yeah. Carter. You can find they, they, their best thing is to slide me with a message because I think I'm up to my my limit of uh, accepting people. Yeah, I don't know why there's a limit on Facebook. That's crazy. What is it, like 7,000 or something like that? 5,000. 5,000? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I guess they don't think people have more than 5,000 uh, people. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, hey, man, you have a good night. Everybody tuning in. Appreciate you once again. Be back here every Tuesday, 10 p.m. Next episode to the next episode to the next episode. If you got some value off the show, make sure you subscribe or hit the like button. Thumbs up. All right. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Share it. I appreciate y'all once again. And we out. Peace. Yes, sir.